coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. Can I tell you something about faith? If you can figure out how to accomplish that own, that vision that is in front of you, that's not a God vision. I'm not even saying it's a bad thing. You can set goals and make goals, but you know when it's coming from God, when it's something that is so big, something that is so spectacular, something that you would never believe could possibly happen, that has to be from God. And when you get those kind of visions from God, you got to step out on faith to accomplish them. me, if you will, to the gospel according to Mark, the 16th chapter, starting with the first verse. Again, that is the gospel according to Mark, chapter 16, verse 1, and when you have it, please stand. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salmon brought spices, Salome brought spices, that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. God's word for God's people, and God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start off by saying that this is not your traditional Easter sermon. But I think y'all been hanging around me long enough to realize that I'm not your traditional preacher. I always like to jerk with some stuff and I'm going to jerk with you on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday at that. And it is April 1st, but these ain't jokes. I shouldn't say that. These are not jokes. (laughs) Pastor, why did you stop at 16 and 8? Where it says they are afraid and they told no one. Uh, Well, the gospel according to Mark is the oldest gospel we have available to us. Gospel according to Mark was written before Matthew and Luke. And then the gospel according to John was written a little later than that. Uh, 
And actually, the letters that Paul wrote to the churches were out there before the Gospels were written. And so the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 is actually the oldest Easter story, if you want to be technical about it. But I stopped at verse 8. Because, uh, oh, well, the gospel according to Mark is the oldest gospel, but when they were coming together to decide uh, what order the books were going to be put in, they, they, they put the gospel according to Matthew earlier because the gospel according to Matthew is a little more favorable to the church. You know, you read through Mark, Jesus is kind of short with the disciples and asking how long is he going to be in this generation and and gets a little frustrated with the disciples almost a little hot-headed because it was written by John Mark who followed Peter around and Peter was a hothead but the gospel according to Mark I stopped at verse 8 because the oldest available manuscripts of the gospel according to Mark which is the oldest gospel available to us stop at 8 I say they stop at eight. Nobody's kicking their leg back, pulling their ears, saying, early. It stops at eight. They went out quickly and fled from the tomb, and they trembled and were amazed, and they said nothing to anyone. That's what they call in the cemetery. Seminary. Seminary. What they call in a seminary a problem. So, so, so scholars argue about the theological problems of the text, and they say that 9 through 20 were actually added a little later. But it stops at 8. And some scholars try to argue that the, the 9 through the, the actual ending of, 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 of the gospel according to Mark was lost somewhere on some scrolls and that it obviously had to be there and they pieced them together and you can find pieces of of that in Matthew and Luke because Matthew and Luke borrow from Mark. Uh, But there's the women finding an empty tomb and being afraid. There's the women making a report to the 11 disciples. If you read down to 11, uh, verse 11, the women uh, gave a report to the 11 disciples and they're not believing them. And, And we know that both issues are resolved. Because if they were not resolved, if we were stuck with just what we had in verse 8, we would not be here today. Because if they told no one, we wouldn't have got our children up in their nice Easter dresses. People wouldn't be coming with all these. We wouldn't have had the services that we had all throughout the week. If nobody told anybody else, we would not be here today. So we know that somebody told somebody about Jesus. But I stopped by to talk to you a little bit today about what would you do if all you have is a promise? What would you do if all you have is a promise? Uh, We know that this happened and and, and I've done it time and time again before I'll do it again. I see that the women saw the empty tomb and they were told to go The women were there. Well, well, what do we say at the beginning of service? That we, uh, the, the Apostles' Creed, I believe, in Jesus, born of a virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, and buried on the third day. He rose again. We say that, what, every Sunday, right? And who was there at all three of those? <clears throat> I'm, I'm just... But the text 
text brings, it begins with an interesting phrase. It says, when the Sabbath was over, after all that happened, these people were still operating in the tenets of their faith. We often talk about how the Sabbath keeping is something that's healthy for us, but it's not just something that's healthy for us. It's something that we were told to do. Keep a Sabbath. And so they still operated in the Sabbath. And so Sabbath was not broken to take care of the body in the tomb. But this Sabbath was a little different. This was not a dawn of a new day, hopeful, nor was it a day of, uh, of, 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 of bright skies and wonderful mornings going on. Uh, this was something that the women were not asked to do, but wanted to do out of a deep devotion and love. They may not have wanted to do it, but they did it out of devotion and love. They had been walking with Jesus, watching him heal the sick, raise the dead, open up blinded eyes, set the captives free, declare the acceptable year of the Lord, telling the lame to get up and walk, feeding the uh, the multitude with two fish and five loaves of bread. They had front row VIP access to the wonder working power of Jesus, the one who was the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who was, was and is and is to come. And then they had to watch him get crucified like a common criminal people wear these crosses on their neck and 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 and, 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 and because uh, some of us wear the cross and the flame on it some of us have a cross with Jesus still on the cross we have all these fancy these fancy pieces that we wear and jewelry that goes on but the cross was not something to be celebrated That was something that the Roman uh, Empire had come up with with a masterful way to torture people. That would be like us walking around today with a gas chamber room on our, or a noose on our neck or, or an electric chair on our neck. This is what they did to common criminals. Somebody who just a week ago they were saying save now. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now they're dead. And they knew that they still had to carry out the common task. The body of Jesus would have to be anointed. But this wasn't going to be like the same anointing that he got. The the anointing that was going to happen in Mark chapter 16 was not going to be the same anointing that happened in Mark Mark chapter 14, 3 through 9. This anointing was a little different than when Jesus was in the house of Simon the leopard and the woman took the alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it on him. This anointing was to put oils on the body to assist with the decomposition while reducing the stench of the decay. And they did this customarily because after one year, they would then take the bones and have them for final security. But the, G, the text says that, that this was the kind of anointing they would have to do. How hard would that have to be? Burying somebody 33 and a half years old that you thought was here to usher in salvation, but he was killed like a common criminal. But the text says that the women knew where Jesus had been laid. And they knew where to go. But the problem that they had to worry about was who was going to roll away the stone. But imagine their surprise when they came to the tomb and found the stone rolled away. Mark doesn't even call the person that they found there an angel. 
It just says a young man. I read it in your hearing. doesn't say an angel. It says a young man. And some scholars argue that this is the same one from 14, 52 and 3, when, uh, 52 and 53, where Jesus was arrested. There was a man there in the text that ran away so fast he left his clothes behind. But it says it was a young man in a right robe. And whether the young man detected their apprehension or intuitively recognized it from their, their facial expressions, he told them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has been raised. Look, he is not. He looked the, Here's the place where they laid him. Uh, to say that that's a lot to digest in a brief moment. You go from mourning to seeing in a completely empty tomb. And somebody standing there telling you where he is and where he's supposed to be, even though you ain't never seen this man before, that would be a lot to digest. In all likelihood, too much for them to comprehend. But he gave them a directive. He gave the women a directive to go tell the disciples, I'm still in the Bible, and go to Galilee where you will see them just as he told them. These are not fun times. We have made them fun times. We have surrounded big meals around them. We have surrounded holidays around them. But at this time, at this very moment, what these women were dealing with in the text was just a promise. Jesus had promised them he would be back. But they had to operate on their own faith. To make sure to go forward. They couldn't operate on happiness. They had to operate on joy. Uh, Joy is not dependent upon your fluctuating circumstances or emotions. Joy is a condition of, of gladness or delight or an exaltation of the spirit. Joy cannot be this joy that I have. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. If we depended upon the happiness of something, it would go up and down based on whether or not our friends liked us or not. If we depended on happiness, it would go up and down based on how much money we got in our pocket or whether we're in the type of house that we want or whether we are in the type of car that we want. But they had to operate on joy knowing that they had a promise that Jesus had told him he would come back. But he's not there yet. You have to operate on this faith. And with this faith, I get my joy. Jesus spoke about joy in the Last Supper when he knew he was about to be crucified. Knew he was going to be betrayed. And he still talked about joy. And then he talked about the disciples abiding in his love. In the gospel according to John 15, 10 through 11, he says, if you keep my commands... And you will, remain, you will remain in my love just as you have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
Joy is separate from happiness. Joy is what kept everybody together during these trying times. Joy is what's going to keep you all together during these trying times. When you got more month than money, you're going to need that joy to hold you over. When your fake friends and your real enemies show themselves to you, you're going to need that joy to hold on. When you keep getting passed over for promotion after promotion, but you know what you are capable of doing, you're going to need that joy to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep having a glide in your stride. Keep having a pep in your step. You're going to have to have joy. Joy is less than a feeling of the moment. Uh, more, it's more of a long-range optimism that come what way, come what may. God will make everything all right. And in this case, this is not the end. This is the beginning. These people were standing here with nothing but a promise and an empty tomb and somebody that told them something that has blown their mind. But they still have to operate on faith. Can I tell you something about faith? If you can figure out how to accomplish that that vision that is in front of you, that's not a God vision. I'm not even saying it's a bad thing. You can set goals and make goals, but you know when it's coming from God, when it's something that is so big, something that is so spectacular, something that you would never believe could possibly happen, that has to be from God. And when you get those kind of visions from God, you got to step out on faith to accomplish them. It's about the present situations versus the promises of God. Uh, We allow our opinions of the present situation to overrule the promises that God has for us. We tell ourselves all kind of things that bring on stinking thinking. I've never done that before. I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have enough income for that right now. I don't, we tell ourselves all of these things, but you are the righteousness of God. You are the apple of his eye. You are the head, not the tail. You are above and shall never be beneath. You're supposed to be the lender and not the borrower. And you can't let what people say on the outside write your internal story. We can't put our own intellect over the intellect of God. Sometimes God will give us a vision so big that we'll want to be like the women were at the tomb and want to run and hide from it. But that's a trick of the enemy. That's when you need to step forward the most boldly. Uh, All they had is an empty tomb and a promise. Nobody has seen Jesus yet. Thomas hasn't put his hand in the womb. Nobody has watched Jesus ascend to heaven. All you have is a promise and an empty tomb and a story that nobody is going to believe. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You know what I don't understand? I, 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 I got a little bone to pick. I, I got a problem. I know I'm in the church, and, and, and I got a problem sometimes with those who are outside of the church, and I realize that, you know, it's my problem. It's not their problem, but I just want to voice my opinion about it. I don't understand how we can take a biblical message and immediately discount it because it came from the Bible. But somebody on the outside can say the same thing and people buy it up like it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. We sit up here and talk about faith in the Bible and get laughed at. But they selling the secret 
and DVDs and lecture series and all of these things over and over again. You know what the secret is? It talks about the universe. It doesn't talk about God. It talks about the universe. And it says that if you put out that positive energy on the inside and you got this positive energy, the universe will respond. Well, somewhere in my Bible, it says something about as a man thinketh. We expect, we got these motivational speakers talking about believe in the power of you and there's something on the inside of you that will allow you to accomplish great things. You just need to activate the power of you. But my Bible says with men, some things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I can say that, but I can't say this. I don't understand it. Talking about people talking about I'm just on a different wavelength right now. I I I, I want to have the right energy to be around the right people. I want to make sure that we're vibrating correctly with each other. But my Bible says, how can two people walk in the same direction unless they agree? Again, this is this is my problem. This is my it ain't nobody else. It's just just my problem. We got all these things that are going out and people are turning them into websites and motivational series and DVDs and digital downloads and all this stuff and taking your money when all you got to do is study to show thyself approved. A workman needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible says that there is nothing new under the sun. They've been talking about this stuff for over 2,000 years. We just need to spend some more time in our Bibles. They talk about how Christianity is the only army that shoots its own soldiers. But it's also the only army where I see that that they don't care whether or not you read the manual. Nothing against other religions. But if you can train babies in Islam to become caliphates who once a year can recite the entire Quran cover to cover singing it why can't we teach our kids to study the Bible why can't we teach our kids to learn about the tenets of our faith I should not be the only teacher of the Bible Just because you come to church on, you know, an hour and a half on Sunday, and some of y'all come on Wednesdays for Bible study, some of y'all come on Mondays, but this should be a daily thing. Atheists should not be reading Bibles cover to cover for the express purpose of laughing at you year after year, and we not crack our Bible open but once. We ought to be able to spend more time in our Bible. That being said, all we had is the promise. All they had is what Jesus had told them. But you got to be willing to hold on to the promise no matter what the present situation says. I may have lack, but God is provision. I may have sickness, 
but God is healing. I may have problems with authorities over me, but God is the ultimate authority. So we got to hold on to the promise. And so what had happened when they ran away and got scared, and that's a natural reaction. Common sense tells us that when a body is dead, it stays dead. Common sense tells us that these things, uh, when somebody dies, they don't get out the tomb. But I can't worship a common God. I can't worship a common thing. I cannot worship the created thing. I have to worship the creator. And if the creator is over maker and ruler of everything, then they don't apply to common rules. But he told them. In Mark 8 and 31, he said, and begin to teach them that the Son of Man may suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. We were in 16 where they ran away, but he told them in 8 what was going to happen. Then he told them again in 9 and 31, for he taught his disciples and said to them, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill them, kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise on the third day. And they forgot again. So he told them in Matthew, Mark 10 and 34, they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And on the third day, he rise again. And then he told them not only was he going to rise again, in Mark 14, 27 and 28, he said, and Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. So you got to remember the promise. No matter how dark the situation is, hold on to the promise. No matter how bad it gets, hold on to the promise. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. And you ask me how I know he lives? He lives right in my heart. Is there anybody in here that knows they serve a risen Savior? Is there anybody in here that know he lives today? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church open, and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook.